welcome to Working Women. I'm Fanny from Creatives at Work. We have met many amazing women while running Creatives at Work. We hope to share inspiring stories about how female executives, entrepreneurs and freelancers from Singapore are taking charge and building successful businesses. Today, we are speaking to Xiaoning. Xiaoning is a partner investor of Angel Central. In the family Angel portfolio, she has investments in more than 35 startups, out of which seven are led by women CEO and seven VC investments. So Xiaoning, as working runners, <laughs> we juggle multiple roles in a day. Yep. So can you share with us how is a typical day of you look like? I'm so used to it that I don't feel the typical day is very different. But typical day in the COVID day is not really quite the typical mm. day uh, what it used to be. So every day, I think I'm quite lucky. My my boys are the older boys are quite independent. Um, it's only the younger one that I need to fetch to school. So I don't need to wake up at six plus to drive <laughs> the mommy taxi to bring them to school. Mm. So usually get up uh seven forty five eight o'clock, then bring the small guy to to school, and then after that come back. I will have my breakfast. Then dilly daddy and then start my work. <laughs> then lunch either at home or at the nearby hawker mm. centre. And then afternoon usually I will have chats with my startup, my staff. Mm. And then call your day. I'm very fortunate to have a good supportive helper mm. who handles the cooking. Otherwise, I think my children will be non- malnourished. <laughs> Not exactly a very uh, strong hand in, in the kitchen. But in terms of um, startups, um, how has the whole entire COVID situation impacted them? It depends on which sector. So we have uh, two startups within our portfolio that's uh, in a travel-related one. Mm-hmm. What we are so at the start of COVID, I think that was almost end of March to early April. We did the portfolio review, so we categorized uh, the the companies into three categories: mm-hmm. dangerous group, okay, mm-hmm. can do can can continue to do well group. So unfortunately, out of the thirty uh, out of the thirty five companies, we still have twenty eight active companies. Um, two of the companies belong to the dangerous group that actually shut down in the COVID period. Um, so, But the rest of the companies at the start, when we did the review, we had a one-on-one session with almost all the founders and, and find out how things are doing. Key thing that we told them, regardless of where you are, um, with the others or what industries you're in, make sure your bank account can last you at least 18 to 24 months. So <laughs> beginning, beginning, of, <laughs> beginning of March and April, I think you still have people who are very optimistic and, yeah. and in the market, you were having a lot of people saying that we have a V-shaped recovery, right? Yeah. But standing where we are now, we can see mm. the shape is not V definitely. But I hopefully it doesn't have to be 24 months. Mm. But we have one of one of our very late stage uh, company that is currently in a Series D uh, performance level, they actually are preparing for 48 months. Mm. So it really depends on what sector you're in and I think it really would help to be a lot more conservative. Mm. Mm. Yeah. But there are some startups that um, yeah, maybe the 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 model is not as proven, uh, the bank account is not as healthy mm. and so for that group, I would say there's no shame. Yeah. Take it as a learning experience. Um review and then make a decisive call. Mm. Don't drag it out. So what are the, some of the key elements you look for in a startup? Um, for investment purpose? So actually I have, a, um, I, I talk to founders all the time and not all the founders, I mean, I don't have that much bullet to every, invest in every single one as well. So there are some founders that uh, eventually we became just more like a, you know, 
advisor mm. mentor along the way and and we chit chat all the time and just you know provide a listening year um when i so every year between my husband and me we set aside enough fund to invest between four to five companies uh, we'll continue with that that principle uh, for the next three to five years as well um but when we talk to the founders one key thing that we're trying to look out for of course first thing is the business must be something that uh, we believe in mm. and scalable and through the interaction with the founders we look for a value system and also whether this founder is really somebody who has an insight and that is in that insight is relevant for the industry that they are in mm. because there's sometimes you would have very impressive founders but if the insights in the business doesn't gel then it's not that great mm. but sometimes you could have very impressive founders but they choose a business or a industry or a sector that um, you cannot see the long term growth mm. then it's like um, a big fish in a small tank mm. then you don't have the scalability potential in the future mm. so usually for that type we will keep in touch and just see mm. how, how things are mm. yeah so I think the, Singap- um, the startup scene in Singapore has changed a lot in the past 10 years how do you see it I mean moving forward I mean minus away COVID <laughs> just the, the breaker <laughs> yeah how do I see it going forward? So um, something that's actually quite close to my heart is actually the the quality of the founders mm. and also the gender mix of the founders. Mm. So I personally, I would say, I mean, I started working with founders since 2011, 2012, right? That, that was <laughs> when we first met, right? Um, and I would say actually it's encouraging. More and more women are, are take, joining the, the space. But um, what I felt more could be done is actually in in bridging the the mindsets of investors and and, and startups a lot better mm. because in the past ten years, so I think late two thousands we have a lot of um, big gun investors stepping into Southeast mm. Asia, um, and in with the government support and everything. But along the way, um, they started with a smaller fund and then they move on to the late stage fund. But when they move on to the late, late stage fund, because mathematics of a late stage fund makes more sense from the fund's perspective. Mm. So you start, I would say um, this one, two years, we noticed they'll start having this void in the early stage funding mm-hmm. space. And that was a time when, you know, after I sold my business, in, I left my business in 2014, I, I was trying to find a new uh, set of um, position for myself. What do I do with the second part of my life, right? And then I realized that there's actually a void that... Um, we could help to bridge better. Mm. And so that's why we started Angel Central. Mm. And so that, um, the intention is really to help more individuals um, or high net worth people or family offices understand the early stage investment part better. Mm. And so we, we see ourselves as a translator. Mm. And I mentioned just now, every year I can I, I put aside budgets for four to five companies, but there are actually a lot more companies out there. So if I can support other individual investors to understand this space better, mm. then they can invest and then we can help two groups to come together. And that's why we started Investment Club. Yeah. Mm. So not right now, I mean, that's like my second baby now. <laughs> and yeah, counting my real babies one side and then this is my second business baby that um, is, is taking out my time, mm. but not as crazy as last time. So we're <laughs> talking about my, my day. Um, it used to be when I'm running company full-time, right? It's, it's eight to six, right? And then after that, it's, it's your By the time stuff. your kids are young, right? Your eldest yeah. one should be quite young. Yes. So I... I was involved in Job Central from 2000 to 2014, mm. right? So that was, I would say that's a golden period for my first three kids. 
right? My my yeah, first boy right. came in 2002, mm-hmm. right? Then 2003, then 08. So that was actually early days. So yeah, I, as a mother, I wasn't there for the first word, first step. And oh. <laughs> I, I wasn't there, but I was there changing diapers and, and breastfeeding and everything. But I just said, half the time um, you are preoccupied with something yeah, else. I so I would say only for number three, mm. I start to be there more. Then for number four, I'm really there. Mm. Yeah, so number <laughs> one, I'm really there. And I think that Scott has been very kind to us. Uh, 2014, we fully exited from the business and I could spend really more time with the baby mm. and to be a real mother. I'm sure there are many moments when you were first starting out that mm. you feel torn, you know, between your business and your 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 baby. Oh, did it come very natural natural to you that you know okay. your your business is your this first is a baby? Part that my husband said that you're really very woman here. Okay, so I actually didn't have that struggle, uh-huh. and then as in I didn't have the struggle between oh should I choose between family and uh-huh. and and work right. And then I realized a lot of my girlfriends were having that struggle, mm. and then I'm like oh something's wrong with me. Then my husband's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> so in a sense, I'm blessed to be very clear. And mm. definitely it's because I have very strong family support. Mm. My mom, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, the whole family was there to help me look after the children. Mm. And I think I'm also a bit more la. I think I really totally trusted them. Mm. I actually didn't interfere. So before helicopter parenting became a word now, I was helicopter mom. Mm. I set strategic direction. <laughs> they had ground troops who helped me to execute, right? And I don't question. And then, you know, it, it was just very good relationship mm. working then. But when I started to realize most women, my girlfriends of my age, were having that struggle mm. between this, then I'm like, how come I don't struggle? But then I was having this whole guilt thing with myself for not being guilty, that kind of thing. <laughs> then, but after a while, I realized that I think... In a sense, you can say, and you see the positive way, you'll be say that I'm very clear-headed. You see the negative way as I'm very um, selfish. Because during that period of time, my focus was making sure, because both my husband and me are in the business. Mm. So in a sense, we double in, right? We double down. Yeah. So we can't afford to fail. Yes. So if we fail, then the whole family, is the, the income is affected. Yeah. So we really, both of us were working very hard on that front. And because of that, there was never really any doubts of my my choice. But looking back, I would say if I really had to choose, I would still take the same path because I know me. Uh, so 2014, after I left work, I spent six months being a housewife. I think it was killing myself. <laughs> it was totally not, not easy you. for me. Mm. And it was very hard. Literally thinking, uh, what veggie to buy, what, <laughs> what lunch to cook. I was, it was really very hard, right? And, and half the time, it's Kang Kong and fried egg. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's really it's just not my mm. my my in my in my DNA. So I guess I did what I could the best, but on hindsight I I mean I'm really I have to say I'm really lucky to to choose a business and have business partners that who fully supported mm. and on now know standing where I am, I would say um it was the over it's it's the heavy obstinance to make sure that work, that business work, that, that make it work. But we were also very fortunate in choosing the business we were in mm-hmm. because we were fresh grads. We mm. didn't know better and we didn't know that job portals will be cash flow positive very fast mm. and we didn't know that uh, it will be a EBITDA mm-hmm. has such a 
strong debt, right? So on hindsight, we were very lucky in chancing upon that that the model that we we wanted. So in business, it's worth you have to work hard, but there's also that that luck component sometimes that you know. You, you unknowingly use them onto it. Yeah. Will you encourage your children to be entrepreneurs? <laughs> I definitely would because I feel for me personally, in the first I'll say first five to seven years, it's a huge learning curve. Mm. I mean, I'm sure you yeah. you know it's especially if you compare to your peers. Yeah. You realize you're thinking different your thinking style different, what you're concerned about is very different. Mm. And but some it does get very lonely. Because the conversations are very different. You cannot talk to your peers. Mm. They, they, they are not going to... It's a different um, sphere altogether. Mm. And when, when you have problems, um, you need to have a very strong partners that, that you can communicate the ideas with. But end of the day, business is people. You're dealing with people. And... And unfortunately, some 30-40% of your problem probably come from your partners. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so sometimes you also cannot talk to your partner. So it's really a, it's a, it's a very tall, a very difficult um, journey. But it's definitely a very rewarding journey mm-hmm. because it forces you to... Uh, uh, so personally, what I look for founder is really somebody who can reflect in words. Mm-hmm. So we have seen some founders who is... Everything that go wrong is forever everybody else's fault. It's uh, never my fault. Yeah. So if you're not reflecting to see what I can learn in every step of the way, um, then you will not enjoy the process and you will forever be on the blaming mm. mode. Yeah. 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 So back to the gender mix that you mentioned just mm. now. Um, I also realised, I mean, I mean, everybody realised, females in Singapore, they, we don't really occupy the top management role as much as we would like. Do you mm-hmm. think that's the case of a really a, a ceiling that a society has put or an invisible one that we put upon ourselves? I think it's both. So top management, I mean, we start from the board, right? Um, usually the board is formed by the CEO. And if the CEO is a guy, he will bring his buddies in. Mm. And yeah, so so that's in a sense... That was how it, it happened last time. And the process has not changed much. Um, I know SJX side and, and a lot of the movements are trying to change some of the guidelines, but you know, it takes time. Mm. But at the same time, women, I would say when it comes to late 20s, early 30s, we start having a question whether I can handle both. Yeah. And once you start having a question that, I mean, it's very natural. We It's, it's not wrong to have that. But I think it's... Um, it's in a sense, it's you're not doing yourself a favor when you start to admit defeat before you even give it a try. Mm. But then again, we have to bear in mind that everybody has a different situation. So, like for me, my mother-in-law, she's because she's a working woman herself, she was very supportive of me working. In a sense, the family support is really key. And but I'm definitely for having children. <laughs> and I think that's a huge part of my of, of our life that is actually um it, it brings a lot of joy. Of course, it brings a lot of stress too. Yeah. But it brings a lot of joy definitely for, for both fathers and, and mothers, right? Um, and it's definitely a, a phase in life that I think personally, I, I would encourage anyone <laughs> to go through that. So, I mean, we have freelancers who, I mean, female freelancers who mentioned to us that if they are in a, in a group, I mean, a client project or whatever, and which is dominated by male, it's mm. very hard for them to, to make their point across, very hard for them to make their presence felt. Mm. So, have you encountered such a case and how would you advise them? Um, so, I studied in the US for my undergrad. 
And being Asian woman, <laughs> you're definitely the minority, right? And I was studying in a, a Midwest uh, business school. Mm. So unknowingly during the... Every time I had, and business school had a lot of project works. After the first project assignment, I realized that I have to make sure that I establish my presence. Mm. Not not to be heard on it. I need to make sure I establish my presence in the small team of four to five people. Mm. So, in, so you have to consciously make sure that so you're always prepared for the project that you're in and you must always make sure that you are heard. And I think that is something that you have to start doing the baby steps on your own. And also another thing is um, a lot of women are very worried about voicing up your yeah. objections or voicing out you want to be... I mean, there's this whole... The, the two word right assertive versus aggressive yeah. a man is assertive but Ooh, women is always aggressive yeah. um, so you shouldn't be worried about that you should make sure that your tone your language is factual and you always address the matter and if someone is not being fair to you call it out calmly you have to address it because if let's say someone is outright disrespecting or brushing aside the idea you have to point out then and there mm. because after that, you have to, if you don't follow up on that on the spot, the moment is gone. Mm. Yeah. So if you are, if your presence or your your words are not take, being taken in the in a in a setting like that, right? I think I mean we we I, I always believe in we do what we can do, what we can control. Then I would say you have to put it on yourself to right the wrong. Mm. The society as a whole, yes, they are behaviors that is biased against women but you can't change the society overnight mm. but you can change yourself mm. if you can control yourself to manage the situation better one time next time you start getting in control of what's within your control um, of course your colleagues your peers your customers if they can change great but that's not within your control yeah so you can only change yourself. That's a very yes. good point. You can control what you can. You cannot control what you cannot control, right? Mm. And then if the moment is in front of you, it's the moment for you to change that, you should grab it. Mm. Yeah. So how should you, I mean, how should, you know, freelance, young freelancers try to build out their confidence, especially when it comes to business presentations, networking? That's a very big one. <laughs> um, I would say from young ladies' point of view, I think, first of all, always be genuine and be be clear about what you are work and be clear of your value system. Um, how you carry yourself. First of all, the way you carry yourself, um, you must be confident. Whether you're able to invoke the confidence in you comes with time. But if you don't, if you're not confident of yourself, then I think oh, this sounds a bit nebulous. I no, think I'm no, a bit, no, a bit airy, true. right? Yeah, it's true, it's true. So, so I, I'm trying to think back to how I work with my my team last mm. time. I, I realized that for young people, I mean not young girls in in specific, but I would say when you're fresh grad coming into the job market, I think a lot of times you're very worried about dealing with people, and so because of mm. that, you you don't dare to voice yourself yeah. and. Um, in certain business environment, it can be quite patriarchal. Mm. So you are you are expected to keep quiet. But I think, of course, listening and and keeping to the protocol is important. But you need to know when to speak up, mm. and you need to know making sure that you're heard. Yeah, but heard at the right time, mm. And also, for one thing, okay, I'm the old school type. I always believe that uh, preparation, making sure that you really know everything about what you're supposed to do is prepared and that you always have a plan B. 
Mm. Uh, like when we run events or whatever thing, you know, projects, you must always have a plan B in case anything goes wrong. Ideally, plan B and plan C. Mm. Because um, especially if there are many stakeholders in, in I mean, every project has a lot of stakeholders. You want to be able to have the backup plan within your team and always be a team player. Mm. But ensure that your 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 credit is not yours. Ah. Mm. That is also something. That is also a skill set that I think need to have. <laughs> yes. I mean, corporate environment, ma. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean... um. Some of our freelancers, for those that are very vocal and know how to build network very fast, mm. you will definitely see their potential. And true enough, in a few years' time, you will see them rise to the rank of super freelancer. Mm. There are a lot of them who, who don't know, you know. So mm. they are only rely on word of mouth for yeah. their projects. They are not able to cast a wider net. So, I mean, in this day and age where social media is everything, right? And then each freelancer is seen as a solopreneur. How would you advise them to, you know, expand beyond them, you know, just being themselves a freelancer? What are some of the key ways that they can quickly build, you know, a, a more sustainable business for themselves? I'm just one. Okay, probably I'm not the best advice for for this piece, but I'm just wondering whether it makes sense for them to a few freelancers coming to form in casual groups, mm. because so like how I look at startups, right? Um, we are usually very worried when it's a solo founder, mm. because no matter you need like three heads and eight four pairs of hands to, to do everything in the business and I would presume even if you're doing just one part of a creative project there are actually other operational issues that you might have to consider yeah. so if you can pair with not, not formal setup but pair with other people who are uh, who can complement you then probably you can have a better opportunity mm. and then you can always support each other does that mm. make sense? it makes sense it makes yeah sense, because yeah. I so from what most of the freelancers that we work with, I realized that they really are octopus, you know. Yeah, they, do. They, they do everything. <laughs> and, 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 and sometimes when you do everything, especially if timeline is an issue, mm. there are bound to be mistakes. And, you know, and then sometimes when basic administrative things, when you're not being covered, you are at the losing end. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't want to put in the effort and in the end, or oh, didn't bill properly, didn't invoice correctly, and then you lose out. I mean... One key thing is you're tracking by the amount of time committed, right? Those are actually quite crucial. Mm. So administrative work is something that I realize, even for the startups, I would say freelancers probably the same. Mm. They, it's the critical but not sexy bit of the business, but it may break you. Mm. Because especially COVID, right? You got to look at account receivables, mm. and I am sure a lot of freelancers don't enjoy doing this piece. Yeah, and and if you have a huge AR, you don't chase down your bank account, how? True. Yeah. Yeah. So you probably would have to work with um, people that can complement you. Uh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because a lot of our freelancers, they, they are not savvy in that area. They only mm. sell their services. Yeah. But what happens after the service is closed? Then, you know, the post uh, the post work, so not so much a post-production work, but it's more of the support work yeah. to make sure you wrap out a deal properly. Invoice, you know, yeah, these are actually, um, I think, especially in the styles, I know nowadays we talk about deep tech AI, it's all the sexy bit. But then, the <laughs> fundamental part, and for one thing, we talk about IP all the time, right? But when we check IP, do you really own the IP, mm. your foreground, background, everything, or even I got to learn how to read all this part, right? Mm. Because if you start doing all the work and you didn't ensure that you can own the IP of the work, especially a lot of, uh, like this morning we are talking about a, a food replacement source uh, company. If you didn't ensure that you own the tech 
of what you sign up with the university lab to do partnership in. Yeah. You're doing, you're funding it, you're doing all the work, but then you don't have access yeah. to the IP hub. You do all the work, then in the end, yeah. IP now yours. Yeah, the world's not so great. <laughs> it's, no, you don't even have, get to enjoy the fruit yeah, of the work. Yeah, yeah, so it's it's a lot of um, uh, the the critical part is not the sexy bit. Yeah. Mm. yeah. If there's a way for you to go back in time, and do any <laughs> change anything any moment in your life what would it be do I sound very egoistical to say no need to change I, I try not to regret and I try to live with the decision that I that I I, I come to and and interestingly I'm also not a huge planner mm. I don't plan ahead and I'm quite um, I'm quite a live by the moment kind of person so I have a rough plan kind of thing but I try to enjoy the moment and just enjoy life it is and I think so far it has worked out quite well and yeah don't don't think need to change much so my one last question is what advice or encouragement would you have for female entrepreneurs or you know, students who are now in school having, you know, aspiring thoughts of, you know, starting their own business? I I would say um, give it a try. Always give it a try because you do not want to live your life thinking what if. But when you are, whatever you're doing, I think always own the decision. Mm. Always own the journey, always own the decision. Of course, um, you need to have planning. But please do not assume that planning is everything. Sometimes um, over-analysis will lead to um, procrastination. inaction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, not just procrastination, it's lead to inaction. Mm. So I would say um, own the process. Own the process and own the, the journey so that you can claim that I went through that. And I would say every experience is a learning experience. Mm. Um but in that process, recognize that um, we are not super super beings. We are not superhumans. We always need a team with us. And I think it's only right that um, we value the efforts everybody put in. But key is integrity. Mm. Yeah? Because if you, you... I mean, for me, I personally, I feel that if you do something without integrity from the outcome is because of certain cheating thing, mm. I don't think you'll be happy with yourself yeah. end of the day. Yeah. So I would say work with your team on the right foundations and own the process. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week. Subscribe to Freelance Creative Exchange on YouTube. Check out our Freelance Creative Exchange website and join our Creative Network community on Facebook and Instagram. So have a wonderful week. Be kind, stay safe. <laughs>